welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into the Word of God as recorded in the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. To hear the latest sermon, head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org. Today, we'll be thinking through the most recent instalment of our series on the Gospel of Luke as our pastors answer questions that arose from this week's talk. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. to another episode of Deeper. We're so glad that you are tuning in um, to our new podcast. Today we are continuing in our series on the Gospel of Luke. This is the eighth installment in our series. Uh, We're looking at Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through to 34. This was preached on Sunday, March the 24th at all of our services. Actually, that's not quite true. Uh, 6 p.m. You may have missed out on this talk. Uh, We had a guest speaker at the 6 p.m. service, and so we actually diverted for a moment. If that's you and you have not yet heard this talk, um, definitely jump back onto our website, wollongongbaptist.org, and have a listen. Um, It's Ken Davies is the preacher. Definitely worth um, having a listen to and thinking through, and will certainly help you, um, I guess, understand the content of this particular episode as well. Uh, So jump back and do that and then rejoin us. Um, those of you from the morning services who have already heard the talk, welcome and a big welcome to Ken Davies. Thank you for having me back again. It's been a little while. It has. I'm excited to uh, be talking through um, this particular talk with you. There's so much stuff going on for us to think through. Yeah. Um, lots of practical kind of outworkings of the content. But um, can you just give us a brief summary of what your talk was actually about? Yeah, if you haven't gone back and listened to it online, this was the really quick summary. Um, starts off with the question, how do we win at life? Jesus gives the answer in two parts. He answers the crowd, um, which are interested in what Jesus has got to say, but they're not actually uh, taking it on board and they're living it out as he says. And so there's quite a strong warning to the crowd that if they're focused on possessions, uh, what Jesus calls greed, um, then there's no way that they can win at life. And so he pushes them really hard that they need to trust in him. Uh, halfway through the passage, um, the focus diverts to Jesus' disciples, and there's still a bit of a warning element there, uh, but it becomes much more strongly focused on an encouragement. And so the disciples have put their trust in Jesus, and yet there's still a danger then, even for them, of greed, of thinking that they can have security in their possessions rather than their security in Jesus. And so he applies it in a whole lot of different ways, helping them to think through how are they actually still trusting in themselves, trusting in other things other than Jesus. Uh, But he wants them in the end to be encouraged that God is completely trustworthy and they don't need to put their trust in anything else. Okay. Um, In verse uh, 15, Jesus warns against all kinds of greed, as you've just mentioned. Um, But then the bulk of the passage refers to issues connected to possessions in particular. So is Jesus being an idealist um, by picking on money in particular? Or is there, you know, is there a disconnect there between the practical outworking of that and what he wants from us? (laughs) 
There, yeah, it's it's really interesting because in the, in the whole passage, it actually never refers to the word money. Uh, it refers to a person. It refers mm. to possessions, and we automatically assume that it's about money. Yeah. Uh, and that probably actually comes from our consumer society. Um, that that's what we're actually really focused on, and we actually read it through that grid. Uh, it's not to say that Jesus is not talking about money. But I think that all of his discussion of possessions, about wealth, about um, being provided with food and clothing and all of these things is actually uh, targeting a much bigger issue of trusting in God. And so although it does uh, impact on possessions and possessions are the illustrations that Jesus uses, he's actually trying to get to actually something even more significant that possessions and the way that we think about money uh, demonstrate or, or reveal about what we've put our trust in uh, but it's the bigger issue you can you can be poor you can give all your money away and you can still miss Jesus point uh, and so that's mm. that's where he's where he's going with all of these things right um, so I guess we want to make sure that we aren't missing the point of these of this passage but a lot of questions do come up about how do we practically action what Jesus is talking to us about in this passage so I guess what my first kind of opening question really is if God is um being generous towards us uh, which he has and mm-hmm. promises to be um the instruction then to not worry is also given to us but does that mean that uh, we'll never struggle financially if God is generous and we're not to worry that it's all easy from here on out it would be lovely if that's what would, what his promise meant, mm. <laughs> um, but I don't think it does. Mm. Um, he's he's uh, revealing to us that he is that God is generous, and he's already been teaching this. One of the things that I realised as I was preparing the sermon is how many links there are made between these passages and the passages that have come before. And so Jesus has already told us about his generous Father. You need to be uh, relying on him in the way that you pray. Um, and so here's a demonstration of how you can be relying on him. Mm. If, if God is generous, uh, if he says we don't need to worry, then surely that means we're going to get everything we need. Well, that's adding one and one and getting four because that's not what Jesus is promising here. He's saying that uh, don't make your priorities the test of whether God's generous or not. God is generous. Mm. He does promise to provide. Uh, and so you need to recognize in all of life that he is providing for you what you need. Now, I think one of our biggest problems is that we uh, equate God's generosity with all of our desires being met. Mm. Uh, and one of the biggest problems of what greed actually is, is that we're matching or comparing ourselves with other people. Mm. Uh, and so we're saying, oh, well, I've got less than they do. So God mustn't have been generous to me. Right. Uh, and we've set up the wrong standard, the wrong measure by which to determine whether God's generous or not. Uh, and so here, here God's actually requiring us to be generous. And sometimes that will mean that we don't have as much as the people around us. If, if other people are not being generous, if other people are being self-focused rather than focused on God and focused on their neighbours, um, then they obviously will accumulate more for themselves. Uh, it's natural if that's where they've put their focus that they'll have more. And so if that's been their focus, where our focus has been on something quite different, then it's natural to expect that we won't necessarily have as much as the other. Mm. Uh, but that, that in the end is not the measure of whether God's being generous to us or not, mm. uh, nor whether 
we should continue being generous. Uh, if, if our generosity is motivated by the desire that God's going to provide everything that we want, then it's not actually generosity. It's just an investment. We're doing this right. so that God will give us back what we want. And it's yeah. so almost a, if I do this, I scratch God's back or God will scratch mine. Right. And that's obviously the wrong attitude which, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is clearly not what Jesus is promising here at all. Mm, yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I spend a little bit of time looking at real estate and thinking through interior design and things and minimalist living is very on trend at the moment. The last yeah. couple of years, um, I guess it's become even more so with what's her name? Maria Kondo. I don't know. Uh, the, the get rid of all your things. Yes. Only if it keeps it, keep it, if it brings you joy yes. lady. Yeah. Um, so that's become like really popular even yeah. just in the last 12 months of this idea of living in such a way that you actually don't have much stuff around you, yep. clearing it all out, um, rethinking how we move about our spaces, I guess, at home. Sure. Um, should Christians be embracing this minimalist living trend? Yeah, uh, it depends. It depends on what's motivating you. I think if you look at uh, a lot of, if you analyze a lot of the thinking that's being done in the promotion of minimalist living, it's actually uh, choose more carefully what you spend your money on mm. and so you've got a limited limited amount of money therefore pick and choose carefully and rather than buying a whole lot of cheaper stuff buy one really expensive thing that's yeah. going to bring you happiness yeah. if your motivation is to buy something in order to bring you happiness then i think you've missed jesus point here because he's saying very clearly that your security uh, your source of fulfillment, none of those things are going to be found in having possessions. And in fact, if you invest everything in possessions, then you're actually going to lose what's most important in life. Uh, and so there's, so there's some truth uh, in the minim whole minimalist movement. We don't need stuff to be happy, but I think they still slip it back in the back door and yeah. say you still need stuff to be happy. Mm. Uh, it's just more expensive stuff. Yeah, less of it, but still need it yeah yeah uh and and so there's a there's a danger in the in the whole move and it, if like our inbox uh is filled with minimalist stuff <laughs> which is quite an irony that Your something email inbox. my email inbox yeah, is right. filled with these <laughs> emails telling me how i can have less and less um and so it's kind of it's kind of funny that it's backwards um but i think i think again it just comes back to that idea of well what are, what are we what are we buying those things for? What's the purpose in our buying them? If we're still looking for some kind of security, some kind of identity uh, in mm. the things that we are buying, then we've completely missed out on the point of what Jesus is saying here because your possessions are not the source of your security. The possessions are not the thing that are to bring you joy. Those things will only be found if you've focused on the kingdom of God. Mm. And and the possessions you have, the, the money that you have, all of those things are just means that have been provided to you by a generous God in order to be used for uh, extending the kingdom of God. Mm. Which links us nicely into my next question, actually, this idea of godly stewardship. Mm. Um, it seems like quite a subject, subjective concept. Um, how can we actually determine what it looks like to be a godly steward of the things that God has given us. Yeah, I, I think it is subjective. It's a it's a, definitely an art, not a science. Um, we would love there to be a measure that says, if I'm giving X dollars, then I'm a generous person. Or if I give 
this many hours in volunteer service, then I'm being generous. Or if I give this percentage of my income, then I'm being generous. And we'd like to quantify it. And I think here Jesus doesn't let us go down that track at all. He doesn't give us a measure that says this is, oh, you've now achieved generosity. Mm. Uh, This is something about an attitude of trust, um, that generosity is almost the byproduct. I'm enabled to be generous because I realize that God's providing everything that I need. And so rather than me seeking my security in my things and my stuff and my money, um, all of those things have now been freed up to be used for God, uh, and so it's a it's a very different uh, a very different idea um, that we can't. There's no way that we can quantify. And if we think that we've achieved generosity, then we probably have then started to rest on the fact that oh now I'm giving enough. Mm. And again, we've settled on this idea that okay, the rest of what I've got now is for me. Right. And at that point, yeah. we're no longer being generous. Yeah. Uh, I think that the woman who gives the two, it's, it's in Luke's gospel as well, the woman who gives the two small copper coins uh, into the treasury, she wasn't uh, pointed out by Jesus to the disciples because of how much she gave. Mm. He's not saying, okay, well, if you give two copper coins, you're generous. It was the fact that her giving of that money demonstrated that she understood that her life was completely dependent upon God. Mm. There was nothing that she had that was able to provide for the rest of her life. And so Mm. all of her life was given over to God. And I think that Jesus lifted her up as the example to the disciples to say, well, do you trust in God that much as well? Or is God just filling in the gaps? You do what you can, and then God does the heavy lifting for the things that you can't do. Or like this woman, do you actually trust God with every part of your life? Mm, really challenging. Yeah, seriously. It's really challenging. And I have never thought of it like that, I guess, in the sense of, um, you know, like a humble person, as soon as they kind of declare themselves yeah. humble, they're no longer humble. Yep. Um, I think that's a really interesting way to be yeah. thinking about generosity too, that yeah. it is actually kind of this ongoing thing you never quite actually yeah. Just state of well, that's done now. Yeah. So a good yeah. friend of mine suggested to to us as uh, while well, I was quite a young Christian, just talking about the whole idea of tithing mm. and saying that they had started off in their married life at giving a certain percentage, um, but then they reevaluated each year to see if they could give a little bit more. Right. And as they evaluated at the end of each year and saw. God had provided for them, they said, well, let's trust God a little bit more and we'll give a little bit more of what he's given to us away. Um, And so they were trying to progressively increase what they were giving away Mm. each year rather than thinking, okay, well, we're giving our 10%, so now we're we're already there, we're already at generosity. Mm. They kept trying to extend themselves and, and push further. And what was the result of that? Well, they kept on. It was. It seemed from them it was an annual increase. Yeah, right. Um, so, which was really exciting, and, really and, exciting. And, and but an incredible challenge as well. Yeah, but I guess it, um, it challenges those fears that we may have that if we give stuff, mm. um, we're going to be left empty-handed, which may be the case in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. But also, God provides. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, I guess that sort of leads me into another question that I have, which um, is just kind of thinking through um, how to actually be really genuine stewards um, and really wise with our resources. I think um, maybe a number of us um, struggle to sort of hide behind, or or we do hide behind this mask of wise stewardship, um, but actually it's perhaps 
we're using it as an excuse to not be perhaps radically generous or mm. even recklessly generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how can we make sure that we are genuinely being wise stewards and not just yeah. sort of wearing that mask and claiming that? Sure. Um, I, I think there's a there's a uh, an underlying question of what is wisdom here. Mm. Um, wise stewardship is is recognizing reality. Um, and stewardship will be acknowledging that everything that we've been given comes from God. And so wise stewardship is, is understanding that God is in control of all things, um, that he's given us everything that we need, and he promises to look after the future for us. Mm. And so stewardship, in terms of our thinking about what we have, is often God's given me a certain amount and I have to do my best with it. It's a bit it comes out of the parable of the talents. God gives uh, the the master gives a certain amount to each of the different um, yes. servants, yeah. uh, and depending on how they deal with that money, um, they're rewarded or rebuked. Yeah. Um, I think that the the difference that's going on in in Jesus' um, speech here is that this is not about what you do with what's yours because none of it's yours. Mm. Uh, And so stewardship is not, what am I going to do with my money in Mm. order that God will pat me on the back? This is an issue of, uh, this is everything that belongs to God that he's placed under our management. How are we managing it for him? Uh, And so an example I've given in the past is I worked at a a bike shop in retail um, when I was going through university. None of the stock in the shop belonged to me. And so what I did with that stock uh, reflected upon me, but ultimately it belonged to somebody else and I was doing with it on behalf of somebody else. And I think that we have to have that same view of our possessions, of our knowledge, of our the gifts that we've been given. All of those things are not ours, mm. as if we've got the right to determine, oh, well, I'll give 10% of them to God and the rest are, up, are mine to determine how I'll use them. The reality is that they all belong to God. And so we, we need to be asking him the question, how do you want me using these? Mm. Uh, again, if we, get back, if we get to the point where we're thinking, okay, I've got this completely worked out, then we've started trusting in ourselves again and we're no right. longer asking him the question, well, what do you want me doing with yeah. these? And so it's going to be, why stewardship's going to be an ongoing question um, there will be patterns that are set up, but it's going to be an ongoing reflection on have I started to trust in that thing mm. rather than trusting in God. Mm, that's really helpful. I mean, talk about, um, I guess, changing our mindset to not be just thinking about our possessions as our possessions, mm. but as they're God's things mm. that, that we're kind of looking after. Yep. Um, how can we go about retraining our minds to be thinking of our money and our resources as belonging to God mm. and not to ourselves? Yeah, it, again, it's going to be an ongoing thing. I think the reality that we have to recognize, especially in a Western culture, uh, perhaps even more so, is that there is a very loud voice coming to us from society that's telling us that everything that we have is ours. You've worked hard for it. You deserve this. Yeah. Uh, This is the fruit of your sacrifice. Uh, And if you've got that voice constantly in your ear, it's going to affect you. Uh, And so in one sense, we've got to close that ear or at least acknowledge that it's there and there's a constant uh, push 
towards believing that mm. um, and we've got to be starting to listen to the other voice um, that's telling us the truth about things that these things are not yours um, they've, they've been loaned to you uh, on behalf of the owner of them uh, to be doing with them what he desires mm. uh, and so in effect it will be continuing to immerse ourselves in the truth uh, as Jesus calls out the, the reality and shows us that um, You've, you've got, even though he's he's made this point already, he's coming back chapters later, making the same point again, just a different way. And I think that we need to be continually immersing ourselves in the Bible, uh, continuing to pray about these issues, not resting on that. Okay, well, I've, this is what I've been doing, so that's okay already. Uh, continuing to push ourselves and keep asking uh, ourselves honestly okay, have I started to put trust back in myself, trust in my possessions, trust in my whatever it is, mm. rather than trust in God? Mm. Um, you talk about our culture as having an influence of um, making us think about our things as mm. the result of our work and something that we have earned, mm. something that we're in control of. Mm. I guess the temptation is to also just think of our whole lives in that frame rather than being like, actually, our lives belong to God. Yeah. Um, they're not ours. We're not in control of them. My final question for you today is, um, I guess, a little bit related to that. Uh, does God require us to be rich towards him in all aspects of our lives? So um, you mentioned in your talk um, time mm -hmm. and money mm -hmm. and being generous um, and rich with our words. Mm. What does focusing on just one of those aspects um, reveal about us? Yeah, I, it, it's a common thing for people to be thinking, okay, well, I've uh, given money, therefore I don't need to volunteer on the cleaning roster right. or I've uh, given a whole lot of my time to leading a Bible study so I can cut back a little bit on how much money I'm giving. I'm doing one so I don't necessarily need to do the other because my generosity shows in whichever one it is that I've that God's gifted me in. Right. Um I think a better way to be thinking about it is uh, Jesus uses the terminology, are you being rich towards God? Um, and to be rich towards somebody um, doesn't mean that we just pick one area that speaks to them. So if I if I uh, pick out for, for my wife, okay, I'm going to be generous to her by buying her a present on her birthday. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's not going to cut it for the rest of the year yeah. um, because I've done one thing. Therefore, that's enough. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough to show her my love. If, I, if I'm not doing stuff with my, the time that I spend with her, with the words that I use with her, uh, doing acts of service for her, there's going to be a whole lot of other things that mm. demonstrate my love for her. And rather than asking the question, well, what's the one thing that I need to do so that I've fulfilled my duty? Right. I think we've got to have that attitude of, well, if we're being rich towards God, doesn't that mean we'll be looking for opportunities mm. rather than asking the question of, have I fulfilled this, the responsibilities? Mm. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's ever a time when you can fill your responsibilities to love somebody, and there's certainly no way that you can fulfill your responsibility to love God. Mm. So it should really be that in each of those areas with our time and with our money and yeah. with our resources and with our words in every aspect of our lives that we are handing those things over to God and being rich towards him. Yeah. With them. It's, it's the same as a sport. If you're, if you're good at a certain part of the sport, it doesn't mean that you just focus on improving in that one area only. You work on the things that you're weak in. And I think that that's something in our Christian life that we can also analyze as well. Okay. I've, I've, 
I've gotten better at giving money, but am I willing to serve in ways that that I wouldn't normally? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe asking that question, okay, I've I've worked a lot on that one area. Can I work on this other area this year? And and so as we continue to evaluate our life, um, wanting to to find further areas that we can demonstrate our love to God in mm. and trust of God in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today. There's lots of things for us to be thinking through and um, praying about, and yeah, just thinking about how our attitudes might need to be changed as a result of today. So thanks for diving deeper with us today. No worries, my pleasure. You have been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.